chapter 6, verses 1 through 16. And it reads, Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. God bless the reading of his word. We're grateful that because you loved us first and Jesus Christ gave his life for us, we can call you friend. You are sovereign God of the universe. But as, as you've called us and as we've given our heart to you, you've called us friend. But Lord, there are those here who don't know you. Those here who haven't surrendered their lives to you. Those here who can't call you friend, in fact, they call you enemy. And so, Lord, I just pray that there would be a heart change, there would be a transformation that would take place today. And that you, by your sovereign power and will, would regenerate the hearts that are here. Father, draw us to yourself. Help those who are still on their way. And help us to glorify you, O God. Lift up your name. Celebrate you. Not only in this place, Lord, but throughout our lives. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. Please have a seat. I'm so glad you guys made it today. We have some bad weather and we have a bike-a-thon going on. So I'm sure that more people are on their way. But I'm glad the two of you were able to come out and uh, make it today. We are in a brand new series. Now, we, we have like no time to waste because we have so much work to get through, right? So the first thing I'm going to ask is that you get out your bulletins. And inside your bulletins, inside your bulletins, you're going to find uh, what we call a sermon map, right? It usually has the scripture that we're going to read through today. And it also has 
some blank spaces that I need you to fill out. So, you know, get a pen or a pencil, but, you know, get ready to fill those out. Now, uh, as you do that, there's a yellow card. By the way, there should be pencils in front of you. So if you don't have anything to write down with, right in front of you, you can reach the seat in front of you. You can grab that pencil right there and write with that. Now, uh, there's a yellow card also in your bulletin. Would you just take it out and, and just wave it at me? That yellow card is, watch this, that yellow card, I'm going to ask you to write something in that yellow card. Basically, you can write, start writing now your name, your number, your email address, your, uh, things like that, right? Fill out as much as you feel comfortable with. If you've already filled one out completely and nothing has changed, you can just put your name. But if you haven't filled one out completely, or if this is your first time here, please feel free to fill it out. Um, we use it so that we can, number one, get feedback from you, but we also use it so that we can, you know, figure out ways to bless you, and we can't do that unless we can contact you. So please, please, please... Um, fill out that yellow card and write out your name. Um, now, we, while you're filling that out, and you can go ahead and fill it out now. I'm just going to tell you where we're at. We've been in this series, and we are right smack dab in the middle of this series. Now, you go, oh, no, we came in the middle of the series. I'm going to catch you up in about five minutes, and you're going to understand where we're coming from, right? I'm going to explain the ring here in a few minutes. Just, you know, uh, keep your questions, you know, Right now, in the sort of the frontal lobe of your mind, we're going to explain the ring here. But um, what we're going to do is we're just going to do a quick overview of what this series has been. This series is about growing up, but it's not about growing tall. It's not about growing in intelligence. It's about or or growing in uh, relational ability. It's about growing up in faith. There's many ways that we can grow up, but God wants us to grow in a lot of different ways, but one of the main ways that God wants to grow up, grow us up, is in faith. Nobody wants your faith to grow more than God. You don't want your faith to grow more than God. God wants your faith to grow more than anybody else. And so we started this series about growing our faith. God wants to grow our faith. Now, the first thing we said, that if God is going to grow our faith, we're going to have to first surrender our lives to Jesus Christ. That was the first week. So if you haven't been here, I'm going to give you the cliff notes. You'll be caught up with everybody. Um, the first week was about giving your heart to Jesus, that we cannot save ourselves, that even we, 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 can't get, we can't get salvation through clean time, or salvation through purity, or salvation through works, or salvation, no, 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 we can't be sal- not salvation through being a nice guy or a nice girl, salvation through being generous, none of that stuff. We, are, we get saved through the work and the power of Jesus Christ in our lives. Now, that shouldn't shock you when you come to church and you hear that. But some of us have really uh, um, wrong views of what it means to be saved. And I need you to know that we need to be saved not only from, our, obviously, our own sin and, our, and, you know, and the damage that that'll do, but also we need to be saved from hell and separation from God. That might be shocking to you if you're here for the first time. But I encourage you, I encourage you to just understand that God wants to save you into his presence. And God eventually gives people what they want. Because all heaven is, is to be ever present, uh, to be forever present 
before God. That's all heaven is. And it's going to be glorious and it's just going to be amazing. And you're, going to have, you're not going to be able to contain the joy. Anyone who's ever felt, wow, I feel like God's presence with me right now, either at church or walking down the block, you know that that's wonderful. But boy, it's going to be magnified a billion times over. You know, if you've ever had a sense of peace or joy or anything like that, you're going to really, really be moved. by heaven. So God will give people eventually what they want. Now, equally, if you want to have nothing to do with God, God will give you what you want. And that's called, that separation from him is called hell. And so the first week we said in growing up, in, in, in growing our faith, we said first thing is we need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you have one? No? You know, have you been, has Jesus saved you? I mean, is it, is it, is it, is it a, a still an open question to you? Are you not sure? Well, you can, you can settle that today, but be, be certain about that. If you're not sure, you can talk to me or anybody else that you see in the church. But that's the first, that was week one. The second week, we talked about if God is going to grow our faith, he's going to use these five dimensions, these five things. And the first week we said, and the second week we said the first thing that God's going to use is doing the word. God is going to grow your faith by actually living the Bible. When you come to church and you hear the word proclaimed, God will speak to your heart. When you're at home and you're reading God's word, God will speak to your heart. And as he speaks to your heart and he gives you direction... Your faith will grow if you do it. It's a shame to come to church. I mean, you know, you can do worse things, but it's a shame to go to church and not change. It's a shame to like, you know, it's a shame to hear husbands love your wife and then treat her like garbage. That's a shame. It's a shame for you to hear in church, you know, be Christ-centered and, and yourself-centered. That's a shame. That's a shame. We shouldn't, that, that, that we need to be people who do the word, that when we hear it, we need to actively participate. And we need to not make ourselves the exception to the rule. Make sense? So first week, uh, we said, okay, God wants to grow our faith, but first we have to have faith in Jesus Christ. And then the second week, we said the first thing that God's going to use is um, us doing God's word. That's going to help to grow our faith. The second thing that God's going to use to grow our faith after we receive Jesus Christ is that we're going to pick the right people to surround us. Remember what we said? This was uh, 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 last week. We said, friends, finish this with me. Friends determine your future. Absolutely. Friends determine your future. And that if you surround yourself with, you know, you surround yourself with people. By the way, watch this. This is important if you're 15. It's also important if you're 55. Okay? This is not a message for... Last week wasn't a message for your kid. It was a message for the person sitting in your seat. If you're young, this has very long and strong implications. If you're old, it doesn't... You know, the implications have less because you have less time. But the fact is, is that it always has implications. The friends that you surround yourself with will either help you to grow in faith or they'll help you to walk away from God, but it's hardly ever a neutral issue. And so we, needed, we said we need to pick our friends wisely. Does that mean that we no longer talk to people who don't believe in Christ? Does that mean that we no longer um, approach people who don't know Jesus? Of course not. I, have to, I mean, my goodness. 
many, many, many people that I know and I'm friends with don't know Jesus. And, but in that process, I, I'm very clear about where the relationship is going. I want to help them. I want to serve them. I want to show them Jesus by my service to them. And so that needs to be in our minds. And those who are influencing us and, and helping to shape our minds, we need to make sure that they're friends who have faith in Christ Jesus. Today, this is, I think, one of the most important talks of this entire series. Today, we're going to talk about holy habits. Holy habits. Now, we have a ring here. Oh, that's so cool. And we have a ring here. And we're going to talk Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, talks about three different kind of habits that we're going to develop, that we need to develop if our faith is going to grow. But what I want you to understand that these, God is going to get at your heart by getting at your habits. Isn't it true that whatever has your habits has your heart? I wonder if anybody here, I mean, in this group, we should, we should know what that feels like, right? That, that you are dutiful, right? You, you, you have, uh, you know, and here's your, you know, here's your boyfriend, and you know, it's not in Christ, but you know, you, 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 you always call him at this time, and you know, and you are dutiful, dutifully obedient to that guy. If you have a pornography habit, you're dutifully obedient. Whatever has your habit has your heart. Listen to that. Don't let that slip by you. Because you are the sum total. You will be the sum total of your habits. Show me what you're practicing now, and I'll tell you where you'll be in five years. Show me what new habits you're developing now, and I'll show you what you'll be in five years. I'll show you. If you develop a habit right now, right now, if you develop a habit of eating ice cream at night, you could be a marathon runner, but I know where you're going. Isn't that true? Our habits are, have a hold of our hearts. So God says, I want to get at your habits. Now the thing is, is that God has to fight certain things in order to get at your now, in order to make your heart shine out to others, in order to make your heart explode with generosity and explode in prayer and, and worship, explode in time spent with God, in order to, God has to enlighten your heart. He has to explode your heart. Now, whatever, we're going to talk about three things. Two, you're going to be fine with. One is really going to get you mad, just so you know. And I put it first, because I figure if I'm going to upset you, I might as well do it early, okay? And so, I don't want to waste your time. And so, um, I need you to know that God wants to fill your heart with his light. But he can't do it unless he grapples with the enemies of your heart. Those habits that you develop that will harm you. So God says, no, 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 I don't want you to go on this side, I want you to go on this side. I don't want you to do this, I want you to do that. And he has some habits that he wants you to develop. Now one thing that you, I wonder if you know this, most of your life is done through rote, through habit. Did you know that? Most of your life is done through habit. In other words, when you woke up this morning, did you think for a second about what side of the bed you're going to get off on, get up on? Absolutely not. It's habit. You've been doing it for the last 20, 30, 40 years. 
right? Let me ask you something. When you walked from your bed to wherever you walked to, whether it was the closet, the coffee pot, or the kitchen, or the, or, or the shower, did you even think about that? With, with, right? To the bathroom or to the, You don't think about that. Why? It's a habit. When you picked up the toothbrush, did you have to choose? Did you make a conscious decision? I'll pick this toothbrush, not this one. I won't brush my teeth. I will brush my teeth. You know, it's a habit. There are over 90%. The way you go to work, have you thought about that in the last two years? Unless it's a new job, you haven't. You know why? It's a habit. Over 90% of the decisions you make are habitual. They are habits. The way you respond to your spouse is not something you necessarily think about. It is a habit. Why? Because there are certain practices that you started at a young age, and the tougher the habit to break, that means the earlier you started it. Right? If you started real, real early with rebellion, the tougher that habit is to break. If you started real, real early with eating poorly, the tougher the habit is to break. If you started real, real early with um, uh, whether it's, it's drugs or anything, it is a habit. And the tougher, watch this. I develop a habit, let's say, for instance, of, oh, okay, here's a tough one. Here was a tough one for me. I developed the habit of watching TV. Did you, I mean, I was addicted to watching TV. It was affecting my family life. Right? You know when I started to develop that habit? When I was a young, 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 young boy trying to learn English watching Bugs Bunny. Not an incredibly um, successful thing, you know, you know, but Roadrunner Bugs Bunny taught me English. Now, as I was growing older, and then I got into, anybody remember the drive-in movie on Channel 5 before, you know, all cable took over and stuff like that? Dun-na, dun-na-na-na, and then, you know, you my brother, you know, like that, right? Okay, yeah, right. You killed my brother. And so, um, well, I watched that. Now, when I was an adult, I found myself stuck in a habit. And it was hurting my family. So I prayed a prayer. I said, God, would you please find time for me to, to spend time with my family? Give us time to... You know what God did? The very next day, and I, I, he broke the TV. He broke the TV. The TV broke. Anybody here ever had, like, TV just... That's never happened to me before, right? Like, you know, you you turn on TV, it's always worked for years, and then you replace it and you give your old TV to somebody else. That's always been the way for me, right? It broke on me. And it was only, like, a two- or three-year old TV. Why? Because God wanted to break a habit. Listen, if you have a habit of mean-spiritedness, you walk around saying, why am I doing that? It doesn't require that strong a reaction. I know, I know, I know. It's a habit. And God is in the ring of your heart. And he's the contestant on this corner. In this corner, the almighty creator of the universe, the heavyweight champ, the undisputed most powerful one in the universe, it is God, right? And there are three things on this side that Jesus is going to talk about that you're going to wrestle with. And God says, these three things, the first one being the most offensive, these three things will always vie for your heart. How? Through your habits. They'll always fight for your affections. How? Through your habits. They'll always fight For your attention. How? Through 
your habits. And unless you develop godly habits with these three things, you will not, God will not have your whole heart. And he will not be able to illuminate your heart to give light to others. You want to know what the three things are? Let's go into it. Okay, everybody turn into um, your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. If you don't have your Bibles, we've given you the sermon map. I already told you about that. Jesus is giving the most amazing sermon in the history of the world. You've never heard a sermon this good. You wish my sermons were this good. Now, we don't have the entire sermon, but we have excerpts for the sermon. I, I mean, if I mean, we just can't have everything, so... God put the stuff that he wants for us to know in there. And we have these excerpts. And in chapter 6, Jesus starts zeroing in on your heart. And the way he does it is by speaking about your habits. Now, as we look, I'm just going to race through this because we have a lot to say and we don't have a whole lot of time to say it. So here we go. And so Jesus is speaking, he's speaking to an audience, and he's giving the most powerful sermon ever, all right? So that's the context of what we're talking about here. And he says in verse 1, chapter 6, verse 1, be careful not to do your, everybody read those next three words with me, acts of righteousness before men. Now look, look up at me. When Jesus talks about the acts of righteousness, he's speaking of holy habits, When Jesus talks about, there are acts of righteousness. You have, uh, these acts of righteousness would be, you know, in Jesus' day would be going to the temple. It would be making particular sacrifices. It would be tithing on their uh, their, uh, agriculture and all that other stuff. But these are their acts of righteousness. They celebrate particular feasts. What, What does Jesus call these things? Their acts of righteousness. Their holy habits. And when he says, hey, listen, watch out. Don't do these holy habits in front of other guys or before men. Now, very, very important. Sometimes you pray in front of other people. But what Jesus is saying is that can't be your motive. In other words, what people would do is in this particular community that Jesus is talking to, in order to gain, in order to gain, um, if you... You know, in order to gain gain esteem or gain uh, uh, a reputation for yourself, you would do this publicly, and that would be your motivation. You know, and so people would hear you pray, and they would go, "Wow, now that guy." People would see you give, and they would go, "Wow, wow, that guy." You know, and they would be like real impressed. In, in some of our circles, and you go to twelve-step meetings, it's speaking, right? That's the thing that everybody's impressed about, right? If you can speak well, you're, you, you become a celebrity in, in, in an anonymous program, which is pretty interesting, right? But um, you, 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 can be, you can become famous in an anonymous program. Maybe in your job, it's, you know, you know, doing something else. But everybody, you always have something that makes you stand out before the crowd and that if you do it, if you do it simply for the purpose of standing out in front of the crowd and being, uh, drawing an attraction to yourself, Jesus says, that's not cool. That's not good. But now watch this. He says, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness, i.e. holy habits, acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. That's the purpose, to be seen by them. In other words, the reason that you're doing it is to be seen by them. Don't do that. 
If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Then Jesus is going to talk. Jesus is going to, he's going to open up your mail, okay? I want everybody to take a deep breath because this is going to get a little bit, all right, it's going to get a little touchy in here in a minute. So when you give to the needy, whoa, 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 whoa. Now you're meddling. You're talking about my money here. I don't know if I want to continue this conversation. It was a good sermon up to this. You know, he started in chapter 5, and he's going through the sermon. When you give, give, when you give to the needy. And in this corner, we have at 230 pounds, the heavyweight champion of your heart, your treasure. Your treasure. And Jesus goes right into the heart of it. And at this point, you should be very uncomfortable. Why? Because, oh no, there goes another pastor talking about money. And, and you know, it's just not cool. It's, you know what's weird to me? If I asked, and I was actually going to do this, if I said, hey, does anybody have like a tissue or uh, a piece of scrap piece of paper that I could rip up? People would be looking in their pockets. They would be looking in their purses. They would be looking in their coats to see if they could find me a piece of scrap paper or a tissue paper that I could rip up. But if I said, hey, do me a favor, find me a $50 bill that I could rip up, people would not be looking. But it's paper. It's no different. It's all paper. Why? Why is it such an emotional thing when we start talking about money? (gasps) Because it has your heart. It has your heart. It has your heart. And anything that we talk about, isn't it true? When you were a kid, don't talk about my mother. Don't talk about my mother. Why? Mom had your heart. We don't like anybody to talk about stuff that has our heart. So not right now, Satan is building a very strong case against me. Because you have no argument against what Jesus is about to say. So you got to shoot me down and go, well, that shirt doesn't look very nice. And man, those shoes should be better and blah, 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 blah. And you go, well, I don't like the way he speaks. Or You'll find a way to disqualify me. But I'll ask you before you argue with me, don't argue with me. I'm just going to read what Jesus said. So if you want to argue with anybody, argue with Jesus. Jesus knew that the number one heavyweight contender for your heart, the one who will absolutely dim the light on your ability to shine like Jesus, he knew it was going to be your money. He knew it. And he knew, he knew that if he was going to, that the greatest enemy of Jesus taking full control of your life the greatest enemy of you being the submissive wife or you being the loving husband, the greatest enemy of you being an obedient child or you being a a person who celebrates and worships Jesus, the greatest enemy is not Satan. Many times we can see him coming. It's not uh, uh, other, uh, you know, evils in the world. It's your treasure. 
It's your treasure. So, verse 2. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the street to be honored by men. In other words, when you give, when you're generous, and again, right now I want you to, in your notes, what I want you to do, right under where we're reading, there's a line. I want you to write on top of that line, treasure. That's the principle that Jesus is addressing right now. He's addressing your treasure. Because where your, that's why Jesus goes on in this chapter, in this very chapter, he says, because where your heart is, that, that's where you, um, where your treasure is, that's where you will be also. Your treasure. Your treasure. So it's the treasure. Now just write in that line on the corner of it, because we're going to have a sentence to go alongside of it, okay? So just write it on the corner. Treasure. Let's finish reading verse 2. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. In other words, those who give for others to see to impress their wives or to impress their kids or to impress those around them in their little sphere of influence, those who give in that way, those who, are, who, who give in that way, he goes, you know what? Your reward is that everybody saw you. And your reward is that everybody said, wow, that was cool. There's your reward. Enjoy. How you like? Is, is it a good response? Is it a good re- That's your reward. Verse 3. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. I bet you didn't know that was in the Bible. I bet you thought your mom made that up. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Yeah, it comes from the Bible. Jesus said that. And what he said, what he meant to say, is that there doesn't need to be a spectacular display to others when you give. Because Jesus wants you to be generous. Jesus wants you to develop a habit of generosity. And you go, and you go, oh, it's about money. I knew it. That's all the church wants. It's my money. No, no, no. Don't you see? It's a heart issue. It's got your habit. It's a heart issue. God doesn't want your money. Listen, God doesn't. Let me tell you something. Here's, here's a clue, okay? If God wanted your money, he could take it. If God wanted your money, listen, your God is too small. If you could physically, like my kid, right? And let's say, for instance, they got a knife in their hand and I need to take it from them. Do you think that they could possibly stop me? Not at all. Your God is too small. If God wanted your money, he could take it. God wants your heart. God wants something more precious than your money. He wants your heart. But he knows that the thing that's going to protect your heart from God is your treasure. And this happens two ways. One, if you're like me and you grew up real, real poor, you have a tendency to fall out. Well, we never had anything. And so what you do is you hoard and you hoard and you hoard and you wonder, well, well, I'll never have. And I'll, and I'll. It's a trust issue. Can God be trusted? Let me tell you something. Can God be trusted to give you your, meal, your daily bread? Because Jesus is going to pre, pre, uh, preach that and pray that in a minute. Can God be trusted to get 
to get you what you need in order to get to work. Of course, can God be trusted? Um, when it comes to your purchases, yeah, of course he can. Listen, but you don't answer that with your lips. You answer that with your habits. See, so I'll ask, are you generous? Now, in the Bible, it talks about being a percentage giver, right? And so if you add up all the Old Testament stuff, it's over 20%, and it talks about, now, we're in the New Testament. So things have changed. So God is not asking you to give this percent or that percent. You know what he's asking for? Everything. Isn't that good news? God wants it all. So because God wants to grow you, God doesn't, God wants to grow you from where you are. Here's what I recommend. That you start with a percent. Name a percent. 10%, some of you will start. 8%, some of you will start. 6, 11, 15%. I don't know. But here's what you do. When you go, have, give yourself an opportunity every week, factor in generosity. So that every week you have an opportunity to say, I'm not going to let this money hold on to me. I'm not, because let me tell you something. Money is a wonderful slave. Terrible master, though. Terrible master. And so God says, I don't want your heart to be consumed. I want you to develop the holy habit of giving. Which, right next to where you wrote treasure, I want you to write this sentence down. God wants me to develop habits of generosity. Let's all say that together. God Okay, one more time, like you really mean it. Why? Because he wants your money? No! Because he wants your heart. And the number one heavyweight champion for your heart is your treasure. And some of you, some of you have a big hawking pile of treasure. And some of you have a wee little skittle bit size of treasure, right? God wants your treasure. Why? Because he needs your money? No. Because when you give to others and you hear, oh, you mean, and, and you know, man, when you hear how God moves through your generosity, and I'm not talking about the kind of, you know, like um, Jesus was even speaking about this. There's, there's a sort of almsgiving. You know what almsgiving is? It's like you already figured out what you're going to give to the temple, right? And so, you know, in the Old Testament, right? So you're going to figure out what you're going to give to the temple. And then you walk and then you see like a, a pobrecito, right? You know, oh, mira el pobrecito. Oh, look at the little poor guy, you know, P- homeless, a bum or something like that. And you have extra money and you go, you know what? I'm going to give an extra $2. And I think that we all should be generous like that kind of, you know, um, sporadic and just, you know, uh, um, you know, just giving like that. That's cool. I, I like that. But watch this. God says, no, no, no. Every week, I want you to write out the check. I want you, but you go, but wait, wait, wait. But, but listen, I got this much of the cable bill. I got this much of the car note. I got this much of the rent. And, and all you're saying is, but wait, my treasure has my heart. What's your treasure? Well, it looks like a car note. What's your treasure? Well, it looks like cable. What's your... Why aren't the poor people going to be fed in your community? 
Because you held on to what? 66 channels? That, that's what we're talking here? 230 channels? Yet? That's, that's the big deal here? It's not about your money. It's about your heart. God wants to fight for your heart. And your faces are saying, that's enough of that. Let's move on. Okay. I'm going to read a little bit more because Jesus says something really beautiful. Verse 3. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Verse 4. So that your giving may be in secret. Now, watch this. I'm going to show you something precious. Because in all three of these habits, God uses this one particular word. And I want you to see it. I'm going to ask you all to say it with me in a couple of seconds. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Yeah. There's a reward. What, what's the reward? More money? No, that's the American gospel. That's not what we're talking about. Well, what's the reward? I don't know. Maybe it is more money. Maybe, maybe it's just peace. Maybe, maybe it's just an organiz- a revitalized uh, uh, sense of organization within your finances. Maybe God, since you put God first, God starts saying, now, now, Edwin, I want you to start ordering your finances so you could be more generous. Listen, listen, God does not want you to have all that you have for you. Did you know that? That God doesn't bless you with your stuff for you. He blesses you with your stuff to give to others. It's a shame. It's a shame that there are people. That it would be a shame if there are people on my block who were saying, God, get me, a, get me a meal. I'm so hungry. I don't have anything to eat. And I'm throwing away leftovers. God did not give me an abundance so that I can throw it away or let it rot, but so that I could share. So here's what I recommend. I recommend that you become a percentage giver. Choose. What are you going to do? Are you going to? And you go. And some of you, you think, oh yeah, the pastor just wants my. Listen, I, I get so annoyed at that. I can't tell you. Um, keep your money. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the people who are open to God's spirit. Um, listen to me. You know, let your money rot with you. I'm talking to the people who are saying, well, what does that look like? It, it looks like this. Listen, listen. Open. And if you and if you if you if it really is about me and you're really serious about being generous, give to any other organization. Pick an organization. Pick it. All right. You don't want to give it to the church. Praise the Lord. Give it to someone else. No, I'm not going to do that either. Then it's not about me and it's not about the church and it's not about Christianity and pastors wanting your money. It's about you being a real greedy individual. Yeah, that's tough to look at. So you can leave now if you like. But um, but watch this. God wants you to become generous. And here's what it looks like. If you don't want to give it here, give it somewhere else. Pick a percentage. Pick a percentage. 2%, 5%, 10%, 15 25 30 50 90 Pick a percentage and give. I double dog dare you to do that for 30 days. Just do it for 30 days. Listen, you can't do it for the rest of your life. Fine, do it for 30 days. See what God does in your life. And then write to me about it because I need to use it the next time I... I speak on on money. Okay, go ahead. So, all right, that's enough of that. So the the first principle, the first contender, the number one heavyweight, uh, 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 the number one contender for your heart is your treasure. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, there's another one. And let's read um, in this, uh, in verse 5. Jump down to verse 5. 
And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, not if, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And here it is again. Here's the, here's the rule. I'm going to ask you guys to read this with me again. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will? Sure will. Sure will. Now watch this. The second principle is the the, the second heavyweight champ, or the second contender for your heart in this corner, coming into the ring, time. time. God wants to develop a holy habit of time spent with him. But I'm too busy. I know, God says. That's why I want you to develop a habit of now, you say, and I, I wish we could keep this up here. I'll keep it here. You say, I don't have any other time. I get up in the morning, right? And you're a single mom and you get up and you got four kids and you got to, you know, you got to get the kids ready and then you got to get their, you know, their lunch ready and you got to cook their breakfast and then you got to run around. You got to, you know, cook their breakfast today. It looks like what? Pouring cereal, putting in milk, right? You know, and so, and so, you know, you do all that and you, and you get all these things ready and, and you keep it moving and you go, oh my God. And then you got to run for the train, right? Isn't it true? You got to run for the train. It's, oh man, I got to make the train. It's 702. If I miss it, I'll be a half hour late. And so you make the train and and then once you get on the train, it's real, real crowded. And so you just throw out a prayer. Oh, God, help me throughout this day. Let me, you know, don't let my boss beat me up. And, you know, can you and will you? And if you do, I will. And if you, you know, and so you throw out quick prayers like that. And then after you get out, well, the train had a little delay. So now you have to run to get to the office. And then once you get to the office, you pick up your phone and you do your thing. And then you go throughout the day. And then, oh, my gosh, now it's time. Look, it's time to leave. We've got to pick up the kids from the, from the thing. And so you run and you pick up the kids. And oh, gosh, oh, God, help me to get there before the, you know, the place closes. And you pick up the kids and then you go and then you bring them home and of course now you have to get them ready and you have to dress them up and then you have to cook for them and there's just not enough time. And Jesus says, there never will be. That's why I want you to make time. The second principle we're going to talk about in these holy habits. What are we talking about? Holy habits. Why? Because holy habits will grab a hold of your heart. And Jesus wants your heart. So, the second principle is the time principle. And here, Jesus is speaking about, he wants you to spend time. Listen, take the, not only does Jesus want the first few dollars of what you make because it'll grab a hold of your heart and he doesn't want that. He wants you to be free from that. Listen to me. He wants, listen, this is so cool. The first few minutes. He goes, Spence, it took me years. It took me years to figure out that when my wife used to, you know, my wife used to just sort of, come on, you're not coming. You're not spending time with me and the kids. It took me years to figure out that you never nag anybody who you don't like about that issue. Isn't it true? Like, you know, you never, like, people that you don't like, you never go, oh, man, you never spend enough time with me. Those people you are very fine to leave alone. Isn't that true? God says, I want your time. I want your time. I love um, Martin Luther, 
who you should just find a book on, not Martin Luther King. There was a great reformer by the name of Martin Luther, um, where Martin Luther King got his name from. Martin Luther King is a pretty cool guy, too. I like him, and he's a great man, but Martin Luther is a different guy. And um, Martin Luther said, I am so busy today. I have to, Martin Luther translated, like, what do you have on your agenda, right? He translated the New Testament, right, from the original language to uh, a German that everybody could understand, okay? It took him, like, two years to do this, right? All right, you, you know, your day is not that busy, okay? Um, I have to do this. I have to write this book. I have to, you know, and all these other things. He goes, I'm going to be so busy, I'll, I have to wake up. Uh, and spend at least the first three hours with the Lord. Isn't that precious? That I'm going to be so busy, I better take three hours. Today's going to be so crazy that if I need to take three hours, the crazier the day. Some of us think, and we're, we're just, we're confused. We think this. We think the busier we are, the less time we should spend with God. And God is saying, no, 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 no. The busier you are, the more time you need to spend with me. Isn't it true, Mom, that it's, it's possible to love your children and absolutely explode on them because of time? Why? Because you need that time. You need God to feel God's patience with you before you can extend God's patience with someone else. Isn't that true? You see, it, um, there's a great book by Bill Hybels, right? Now, Bill Hybels is no Martin Luther, right? But it's, it's a really cool book. It's called Too Busy Not to pray. Isn't that a good title? Too busy not to pray. He has a church of about 25,000 people. The, the church also extends arms of hope and love all across um, the world. Like there are schools that are built in Africa and there are hospitals and just because of the work that his church does. Uh, 10,000 people just recently in his church, 10,000 people just recently um, wanted to learn more about generosity. This is a big organization, a big church. And this guy says, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I got to spend time. The first few minutes. See, God wants your heart. And I know, I know, listen, listen. But you got to know what the newspaper is saying, right? And you got to turn on the news and find out what's going on. And you got to race your way to, you know, and God is saying, listen, even if you just wake up 15, 20 minutes early, you got to spend time. Because time, let me tell you something, time is ruthless with your life. Most people think the most precious thing that they have is their finances. It's not. If you lose $1,000, you can get it back. If you lose a million dollars, you can get it back. The last five seconds, never get them back. Time is the most precious commodity you have. So why not spend that with the Lord? You know what you spend time with? You spend time with the things you value. If you spend time in your car and not with your kids, then you value your car more than your kids. No, that's not true. How could you say that? I understand what you're saying, but while your lips are moving, your actions are speaking so loud that I can barely hear what you're saying. If you spend time, what you spend your time with, what you spent your treasure on, will dictate where your values are, where your heart is. This is power. Listen, if you'll listen to what I'm saying right now, your whole life will be changed. So you know what this looked like for me? What this looked like for me 
was I would come home, right? And I, I just couldn't. I'm not, I, I've never been an early morning person. I've begged God to make me an early morning person, right? Like, you know, wake up. I used to read uh, books about guys waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning, praying till 7, taking a cold shower, and then just like, you know, starting their day. And I was like, ah, I'm going to be like those guys. And this is what it looked like for me. I would wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and I would say, be careful not to do your exercise. And I would just go to sleep, and I would feel terrible. I would feel totally terrible. I would, be, I would feel guilty. Oh, I fell asleep on the Lord, right? Like, have you ever fell asleep on somebody during a conversation? Are you listening to me? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm listening, I'm listening. All, all you men, if you've ever had a girlfriend, know what that's like, right? Yeah, yes, 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 I'm listening, I'm listening. All right, right. And so, and so I've, that's, an, that's an embarrassing thing. Well, I've done that with the Lord. I've done that with the Lord. I have. And, and you know what? The beauty is, is that God says, you know what? Pick the best time. I would recommend, honestly, it'd be the first thing that you do because you'll probably lose it throughout the day. I'm wired a little bit different. So what I did was as soon as I came home, before my kids said hello or before my wife said hello, I said five minutes. Five minutes. And I would walk past everybody and I would walk into the little thing that we call the room, but it wasn't a room at the time. It was just like a little corner. And so I would get on my knees. I would take an egg timer. <laughs> And I would put it there. And when I first started, you know what I, you know how much, you know what would happen? I would, I would pray for you and me. I would pray for everything that I knew about you and everything I knew about me. I would pray for world peace and hunger. I would pray for the world to have, you know, wars to cease. And I would, I mean, I would pray for everything I knew. And then I would open my eyes and see three more minutes left on the clock. Three more. So you know what I would do? I would say, well, if you want to say anything, I'm all ears. And I would just sit there. Tick, 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 ding. All right, God, I'm going to come back and spend more time with you tomorrow. And every day I did that. And you know what happened? It was a glorious day. It was only like a week or two later. I started to do that. And it was a great day when I was praying for you and world peace and everything like that. And the alarm went off. I said, ding. I said, I need more time. And so the next day I put it for seven minutes. And, you know, I finished my prayer in about six minutes. And then I waited for a minute for the Lord. And so you know what? And, and one day it grew that I would pray for about five or six hours a day. You go, when did you sleep? Not much. I went to work. I was a husband. And I, would, I remember I had a friend. His name was Andy. And on Fridays, we would pray starting from 8 o'clock in the, mor- uh, 8 o'clock in the evening till about 2 or 3 in the morning. And it was just, that didn't happen overnight. It was a process. Why? Because God grabbed a hold of my time. Did you know what started to happen? I started to get perspective on my day. I started to realize that a lot of things that I had in my day weren't necessary because my heart wasn't controlled by time. God wants your heart. He wants to be the heavyweight champion of your heart. And the first thing that he'll do is he'll address the treasure in your heart. He says, be generous. Pick a weekly time to be generous. And he'll also say, give me your time. Why? Why would God say this? He goes, because I want to reward you. And some of you will say, but I don't want a reward from, uh, from God. Too bad. You get it anyway. But I don't want to do, I don't want to pray to God so I could get a reward. Tough. He's going to give you the reward anyway. Well, what's the reward? Jesus doesn't say. I don't know. With me, the reward was with perspective. Today, I'm constantly thinking about, am I spending enough time with my kids? Because this is a window of time that I don't ever, I'll never have again. 
I'll never have this precious. We'll never. Watch this. In about less than five years, the family will never be the same. My son will probably be off on his own, and we won't have the family unit. And five years after that, we'll have one less child at home. And it'll never be the same. We'll never be under the same roof again. That means everything to me. And so what do I do? By spending time with the Lord, I can grow and learn how to use my time to glorify him and to grow in faith. God wants to grow your faith, and he wants to do it through holy habits. And the first habit is the treasure principle. And the second habit is the time principle. Let's look at the rest. I want you to jump down to verse um, 16. Now, this one is very, very interesting. And I actually don't have a prop for this one. Verse 16. When you fast, not if, when you fast. Look up at me. God wants to develop a habit of time. God wants to develop uh, uh, of time spent with him. God wants to be your treasure. He doesn't want you to um, be consumed by your treasure, but he wants to be your treasure. Um, God also wants you not, and watch this. I want you to write this down. God wants you, the principle, God wants you to address the habit and the principle of appetite. Write that down. I'm going to explain to you why some of you are stuck in the same rut for the last 16 years. Like you can't let go of that guy, you can't let go of that girl, you keep on sinning with the same thing. I'm going to explain to you why that is. And this principle is really going to help you out. It's appetite. I love what Gus calls it. Gus calls it treats. You know, time, right, right, it's treasure, time, and treats. God wants to, it's the principle of appetite. Now watch this. Listen to what Jesus says. When you fast, when you fast, what is a fast? A fast um, is stopping doing, traditionally it's been food. It's denying physical sustenance, physical food, so that you can feed, on, or in our case, so that you can feed on the Lord. So now watch this. This is why your first meal of the day is called the break fast. Did you ever know that? It's, it, the reason the meal is called is because you're breaking your fast. That you've not eaten for the last, you know, unless you're um, a midnight binger, you know, you haven't eaten uh, for a, a long while, right? You've been sleeping. And so God says, I want you to fast. I don't want you to, if you fast, I want you to have a habit of fasting. This is fascinating. Listen to it. When you fast, not if, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. It's what he's been saying the whole time. Hey, when you do this for other people's attention, when you do this to make yourself a big shot, there's your reward. You're a big shot. There's your reward. Other people see you. There you go. God says, listen, you can either get your reward. Watch this. You can either get your reward from men, from people, or you can get your reward from God. Choose. Verse 17. But when you fast... That is when you, the person sitting in your seat, me, put oil on your head and wash your face 
So that whenever you see a so that, understand that he's going to give you an explanation. For the purpose of, he's going to explain something he just said. So that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Listen, God wants, because you know what? Habits reward. Habits have their reward. If you drink too much, your reward is a destroyed liver. That's your reward. Good going. If, you, if you're contentious with your spouse, your reward is an unpeaceful home. Good going. That's your reward. If you're lazy at work, your reward is a pink slip. Congratulations, you worked very hard for that. If you exercise, your reward is better health. It works both ways. If you read God's word, your reward is growing closer to the Lord and experiencing wisdom. Congratulations. If you live in purity, your reward is power in Christ. Congratulations. Don't you see? There are rewards. Every road you take has a reward. And Jesus says, I don't want your treasure to control your life. I want to control your life. I don't want your time or your appointment book to control your life. I want to control your life. And listen, I don't want you to be controlled by your appetites. How many people here have ever said, you know, I don't know, I just couldn't help myself. Let me just, just raise your hand. Like no matter what it was, right? And the rest of y'all lying in church. Right, I know, right. So, you know what that is? That's because you're a slave at that moment to your appetites. I, I never understood this. Okay, true story, right? In, in my heart, I was really hurting. I was hurting myself, with, and I was clean for a long time, and I was a good guy, and I did all this stuff, and I was pursuing Jesus, but I just I didn't have victory over this pornography issue. I just didn't have any victory over it, right? So I remember I was at a retreat, and I love this retreat place. I mean, I love this retreat place. I've gone um, um, uh, for years. I'd even give you the name if I could remember. Liz, do you remember the name of that? All right, well, it's this retreat place. And, and so um, I went to the retreat place, and I remember the Lord speaking to my heart. And I was struggling with this pornography issue. I mean, really, really struggling with the pornography issue. I, was, um, I remember I had uh, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back, and boy, some of you know what this is like. You know, some of you guys know what this is like. You're watching it, and then your wife walks in the room. Anybody ever experienced that? That's horrible. You break your wife's heart. You break your own heart. I mean, you just, you just, it's shrapnel all over. And that's what happened. And so, you know, I was praying. I was like, oh, God, please, you know, help me. Help me. And God gave me a very interesting thing. He gave me two things. Number one, a scripture to memorize, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he'll also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Those of you who say, I can't control myself, don't know 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And therefore, you're allowing your appetites to control you. Listen to me. God gave me a scripture, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And then, and then, he gave me a task. He said, Edwin, I don't want you to eat. I want you to eat my word for the next seven days now jesus did it for 40 so you know seven's not that tough but it was real tough for me because i'd never done anything like that and so you know what happened right 
the first day I did it, I was like, wow, I could do this. Second day, I was like, whoa. Third day, I felt like I was going to faint. Something, I don't know even what to describe it as. On the third day, I don't know what it was, something clicked. And it was as if God's power was on me. I had more energy. I felt like I wanted to run a marathon. Like, I just, I was unbelievably empowered by the Holy Spirit, right? Day four, I didn't even think about other women. It wasn't even in my head. And we're talking about, you know, a person who's constantly thinking about this stuff. Day five, I was like, let, let me say something. When in day five, right, and you haven't eaten, you know what's a temptation? A cookie. You know what's not a temptation? A girl in a skirt. That is not a temptation on day five of a fast. You understand that? Right? Everybody understand, right? Like that when you go into the lunchroom, right? The temptation is not what girl has the, you know, a low-cut shirt. The temptation is the rice and beans the dude is eating in front of you, right? And so, and so watch this. God showed me that I don't have to be, I don't have to have a dictator called my appetites in my life. I don't have to. I can actually rule over my appetite. I don't have to blame my rage for lashing out at somebody. I can actually control my anger. I don't have to, listen to me, I don't have to yell at my wife. I can control my emotions. I don't have to act out. I can control my desires. I don't, I, I don't have my appetites. God wants your appetites. He wants your appetites. He wants your treasure. He wants your time. He wants your appetites. It's the reason that some of you, listen to me, the reason that some of you have been struggling with that thing for 15 years or 10 years or 8 years, the reason you've been struggling with that thing for, and then you keep on going back and you ask yourself why, is because your appetites control you. And God is saying, I want you to fast. Why? Because if you can say no to something that you do need to survive, you can definitely say no to those things that you don't need to survive. How do you do it? Well, you, you, you know, uh, if, you, if you take medication and things like that, you can talk to the pastors and we can guide you through it and we can send you to a doctor and do all that other stuff. There's different ways you can do it. But most of us don't have that issue. And the simple way that you do it is, you know, uh, you know we can help you set up. But basically, if you, just, if you just start with just today, I'm not going to, this week, and again, make it a practice once a week. Pick a day. Pick a day that you're just going to fast. What does it look like? For me, it always starts when I go to, I start my fast usually at around 7 o'clock at night. At 7 o'clock at night, you can do it at 7 o'clock in the morning, I don't care. But I start my fast at 7 o'clock at night because that's when the day begins. I can preach that to you some other time. But your day begins not when you wake up in the morning. The day begins when you go to bed. Did you know that? Your day, it, it, God didn't say twas morning, then evening. God says it was tw- first day, twas evening, then morning. Right? Okay. So... That's another sermon. But so God says, I want your appetites. Here's how I'm going to do it. I, I, at 7 o'clock at night, I'll stop eating. And then I, I give myself permission to whatever I'm going to do on this fast. Let's say, for instance, it's going to be a very extended fast. I allow myself some orange juice because I get low on sugar and I start to shake. That's just, and, but I have to do that before I do the fast because then I go, oh, you see, I'm breaking my fast. And then I feel like a loser. And, you know, who wants to do that? So I, I, I just, I say, this is, and here's why you fast. Listen, you don't fast so you can get God to do something you want. You fast so that you could get on board with what God wants. You're not trying to change God's mind. You want God to change 
yours. Okay, so there's a fight for your heart, right? And my question is, when the ring lady walks around and says, who wins? Who's it going to be? I hope so. I hope so. So listen, here's what I want you to do. Listen, if you, if you take, listen to me. If you take the suggestion that I just gave you to develop these three holy habits, your life will never be the same. Listen to me. Imagine what your heart would be like if you didn't have an affection for those things that hurt you. What would you like? What would, what would happen to your esteem? What would happen to the growth in your heart? Hey, what would happen if time was no longer, you were no longer a slave to your time, but you were a slave to Jesus Christ? What would happen? What would happen? What would happen to your relationship with your kids, your relationship with your spouse, your recovery? What would happen to that? If you put God first and you let him dictate and direct your day, what would happen if money was no longer your God? If you if your, your God was no longer your treasure, what would happen? Man, other people would experience your generosity and there would be there would be great cause for rejoicing in your community. Here's what I want you to do for the next 30 days. I want you to be a percentage giver. Just go ahead and pick a percent. Is it 3%, 2%? Come with it in mind. Don't just come here and just say, okay, I'm going to put a dollar in the basket. This is not a meeting. Um, you know, if, if we were renting this place for $25 a month, that would make sense. It's not. You know, we actually need to pay people to pick up the phones, send people to detox, do things like this, and things that you all are passionate about. Serve the poor. Provide for the needy. You know, we, that actually takes finances. So I want you to be a percentage giver. Pick a percentage. 9%, 11%, I don't care. Choose a percent and then give. See what God will do, number one. Second thing is that I want you this week, obviously, to start the first 15 minutes of your day with God. Sometimes it'll mean that you get up early. This is a habit that even if you do it with a bad attitude, you're blessed. This is one of those habits. Even if you I don't want to pray, but the pastor told me to pray, and I'm, you know, all right, here I am. Get to, you know, finish, let's finish this up. Even if you do it, you're blessed. You're, you become blessed because you start spending time with the Lord and he starts to so- soften your heart. And then pick a day of the week and just pick that one day to fast. Some of you, you might just do like a, a sun, sun up to sundown fast and that's fine. But pick a time, pick a day and pick an issue. Pick an issue that you're going to fast about. Lord, I need to be more patient with my family. Lord, I have a rage issue and I need you to address it. Lord, I'm not clear on what you want for my future. I need clarity. Lord, I have this decision to make. I need to, I, I, I'm not going to do anything that you don't want me to do. So would you clarify it for me? Simple habits that will make your heart shine to a world that desperately needs the message of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I want my heart to shine like the moon. That when, I, that when the light of your love hits my heart, that it would reflect on others. And that many would see your great glory because of the work that you do in me. Oh, Lord, help me to be to live within the principle of generosity, to be more generous. Lord, help me to be mindful of my time and begin my day spending time with you. Lord, help me with my appetites that when I 
want to do this or I want to do that, when I, I want to act out, when I want to do things that I know would hurt me, Lord, that because of this habit that you've developed in my heart, because of this habit that you've developed in my heart of denying myself things that I need to live, may I say no to those things that my flesh desires but is no good for me. Father, help us all to start these habits today. Help us to practice them and grow us through them. Help us to rejoice in the work that you do and also to share what you do so that we might celebrate you. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen.